All I know about Waponi Woo is that the name means little island with a big volcano, and that the people, the Waponis, like orange soda. They like orange soda? Yeah. 1,800 years ago, a Roman galley with a crew of Jews and Druids got caught in a huge storm off Carthage. They were swept a thousand miles off course and ended up on the wrong side of the Horn of Africa. Thinking they were returning to Rome, they sailed deep into the South Pacific and finally ended up colonizing the lightly populated Polynesian island, which they named Waponi Wu. Thus was born the Waponi culture, a mixture of Polynesian, Celtic, Hebrew, and Latin influences. The Waponis are known throughout Polynesia as having a peculiar love of orange soda and no sense of direction. Welcome to Exposition Street, celebrating geek movies and all their splendiferous glory and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, 70-some-odd episode, uh, 78 actually, of our uh, of our not entirely brand new, but still very much a work in progress film cast from the folks at Prismatic Tsunami. It's a lot of fun to be here, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy making it. So uh, before I introduce the cast one more time, if you are interested in getting in on the conversation, if you are interested in recommending uh, film for us to discuss on the show, we'd be very, uh, very interested in hearing from you. The uh, best way to do that, feedback at prismatictsunami.com, feedback at prismatictsunami.com, or drop by our Discord server and talk to us there. We got at least one or two people that do that regularly, and we very much appreciate them very, very much, because without you... We would have hung ourselves by now. Hanged ourselves by now. I think it's the best way to say that. I, I get confused sometimes. It's, well, you know. I just <laughs> wanted them to know how valued they are. They, they are valued without the other imagery. Um, Yo, know, we've had a hard time with the release schedule lately, and we, we, we really appreciate the patience <laughs> and the excitement when we got back on track. So let's see what we can do to keep that up. Let's go ahead and introduce the panel for today. Uh, over here, sometimes 30 seconds of love and honor is all a person really needs. It's Richard. I have $20 on the volcano. Good call. See how that works for him. Uh, she'd really love to know why the redhead was the shallow one. It's Vanessa. Not only that, she had that really breathy, like, Los Angeles <sighs> voice. <laughs> She's so, so lovely. I, I really <laughs> wanted to shut her off. Uh, uh, yeah, the moment she came on the screen, I wanted to shut her up. <laughs> when he recommended Saving Mr. Banks, this wasn't the movie I thought we were watching. It's Jason. <laughs> I've done no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the secret's out. He actually plays the other three people on the show as well. It's the kid. I really want that luggage. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Badass. You know, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> that is the other name for a show like this, you realize. You know, exposition, spoiler alert, uh, from yeah. the folks of Brisbane. You know, I was not sure this was going to be a great movie for the show, and I'm still not sure. <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> Joe versus the Volcano. 
This was Jason's selection, and I want to make that very clear right up front, and uh, <laughs> we're going to discuss it. So this movie came out March 9th, 1990. Interestingly enough, much later in the career of the star than I thought it was at first blush, because there's a lot about this movie that's very old-fashioned in the way it's done, and it felt felt it, including the acting. Uh see. Rated PG runtime of one hour and 42 minutes. The week it came out, it went to number two at the box office with 9.2 million, uh, lounging behind The Hunt for Red October in its second week, which was at 14 million that week. Uh, other movies at the time that were out, House Party came out that weekend, Bad Influence, Driving Miss Daisy was in its 13th week and held number five. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it says something, doesn't it? I think that March was not a real hot movie month in 1990. There you have it. When a hypochondriac learns that he is dying, he accepts an offer to throw himself into a volcano on a tropical island, and along the way there, learns to truly live. That's synopsis uh, courtesy of IMDb. That's one of the more accurate ones. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Written and directed by Mr. John Patrick Shanley, um, who also was a writer on like Moonstruck, Congo. I mean, he was busy at the time. Um, I mentioned Congo specifically for Rich. And uh, music by uh, George Estellaru, who was one of the later scores by George Estellaru. Um, also busy at the time, Twins, Beaches, Steel Magnolias. Some of the music in this film sounds like it was out of Steel Magnolias, but uh, it was otherwise fine, I guess. And some of the musical selections, on the other hand, when we will talk about that, <laughs> were fantastic. <laughs> love, love some of the musical choices in this movie. Uh, starring Mr. Tom Hanks. Have we had Tom on the show before? Uh, yes. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. That's the links we had to go to the first time <laughs> to get past the Richard censored board so we could talk about T. Hanks. Thanks. <laughs> so we could talk about thanks. Sorry about that. And uh, it's okay. And I'm sure at the time you talked about how much you love Mr. Hanks. Not. And I respect that. I just, I don't know. I mean, he's probably a great guy. I just get tired of watching his movies. He is an American treasure, my friend. And if we oh, can... I didn't like National Treasure either. <laughs> <laughs> that was Nick Cage. That's different. Different, like, different American thing. treasure for an entirely different reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, um, Let's see, this was an interesting time for uh, Mr. Hanks because he had yet to really embrace the dramatic turn that his career was going to take. It, literally, the turn into drama. You know, anything pre-Philadelphia was pretty much still writing the comedy laurels that he was known for. In this, he plays Joe, the titular Joe. Uh, the Turner and Hooch and the Burbs came out like the year before this. Um, Big came out like a couple years before this. A League of Their Own was in 92, so a couple years after this. Sleepless in Seattle, which I had to mention for, I think, relatively obvious reasons, came out in 1993. And I guess that was not a comedic film. It was I mean, it was considered probably a romantic comedy. but it, Yeah, it was a rom-com. But it was early in the era of rom-com and wasn't so calm. You know, it was just, it was a, a very romantic movie. And it, he and Meg Ryan had amazing chemistry that they kind of had a little in a couple places, mostly one scene in this film. No, <laughs> <sighs> oh, throughout, throughout. Uh, Meg Ryan was everywhere and they always worked well together. Uh, yeah, but her characters were awful. Let's talk about Meg. So Meg Ryan played uh, Dee Dee, Angelica, Patricia, whatever her name was. Uh, <laughs> and Peggy. Peggy. Um, 
Oh, Lord. My God. When Harry Met Sally was like the year before this. The Doors was the year after this. Sleepless in Seattle was like three years after. I mean, not only did she play all all three female leads, but she also did the voice of the flight attendant welcoming the flight to Los Angeles. I mean, she was ubiquitous. What a cool role (laughs) to, to take on. And so, I mean, the entire feel of this movie has got that very kind of classic movie vibe. It was interesting to see Meg Ryan channeling her inner Richard Pryor. I will, I will grant that. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, uh, and, and it's implied that Meg Ryan was a character in Joe's life prior to him getting the job at the suppository, uh, or the uh, <laughs> suppository. suppository. <laughs> no, uh, it was a colonoscopy plant. Is that, what, is that what it was? They made they they made a. Uh, they made uh, medical periscopes. Re- they had wow. They had rectal probes and rectal probes and, and petroleum probes. jelly too. Rectal probes and petroleum jelly. But in the guy's office, they had such daring products as uh, uh, prosthetic testicles. So, I think they may have been branching out. That 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 was a tester. They 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 hadn't they hadn't quite pushed that one out yet. Wow. Wait, phrasing. I could, I could see, I could, see, I could see why they picked Dan Hedaya to play that guy. I'm not arguing that with you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, Julia Roberts auditioned for the female lead in this. That would have been different. Oh yes. my, different. Uh, yes. I, I don't know. I, I caught that piece of trivia in there. I don't know where this falls on the scale of like when Pretty Women, when when Pretty Woman came out. So I'm not sure if Julie Roberts was like a household name yet because that one movie was responsible for making her one. But uh, Meg Ryan, I mean, she'd done some things prior to this because like she did. Like, I know I just talked about some of the movies she was in. And when Harry Met Sally was actually a big hit too. But she was also did like huge. Top Gun before this. I mean. She'd been acting for a few years and doing a really making a really good name for herself. Um, this was a strange choice for her, and I don't think I loved it very much. I love Meg Ryan. Really, this was I one of the movies I've in seen this... her in that I actually enjoyed her role in, mostly because it was all of them. Oh gosh, <laughs> I <laughs> because it was because every woman in the world was apparently Meg Ryan. Um, Liberty gibbet. Liberty gibbet. I know. I still, every time I watch the movie, I'm so annoyed by both of the first and second iteration of the character, uh, of the actors, rather. The first and second character she plays. Yep. Well, uh, I think that's partially that's intentional, so yeah. you like Patricia. Patricia more. And I get that, and I do. I mean, that, that falls into place. Is um, it weird that I didn't? <laughs> so the brunette was kind Jeez. of a ditz. Yes. That was kind of the role they wrote for her. You can tell. Um, and the redhead was jaded. Did I say shallow? Shallow's good. What'd you say? I said uh, jaded. Jaded. Um, shallow, jaded, breathy. In neither character, or neither choice did I did I like the delivery choice that she made, and I I didn't like the wig they had for the first one either. At least they were differentiating them and not making them all the same they, person. They were. I liked that. They didn't feel like the same character at all. Right. They didn't even have really? to do the sister thing. No. You know. I mean, doing it was Half kind sister. of cool. You know, whatever. But Half sister. Uh, but. Uh, mm. One of the things that definitely I definitely feel strongly about in this film is that uh, it, and it wasn't necessarily a Meg Ryan thing because I think she was I think she's great and she I thought she was great then. It is definitely the choices that were made for those roles and some of them don't sit super well with me. But 
That's my thumbs down. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, would you believe me if I said that I did not realize <laughs> how much was going on with Meg Ryan until the scene where the two sisters are both there at the dock and my wife makes the comment, there's a whole lot of Meg Ryan going on in this scene. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> really? Oh, oh, I had completely missed that. Yeah. I guess that's a tribute to what, how well they did what they did. That's legit. You hadn't realized she was Dee Dee in the opening se- section yet at that point? No, no. Julie pointed that out for me as well when she realized that I hadn't recognized her as uh, uh, Angelica or whatever her name was. Uh, yeah. Dee Dee, so, Angelica, yeah. Patricia, yeah. I had to have that written down, though. So, you know, I just don't feel that maybe special. <laughs> it's just like, hmm. uh, okay. So, following up on that, I have a laundry list of appearances in this film that we could talk about if we feel like it. Bring because it on. Because there are no shortage of people who they weren't necessarily cameos, a couple of them were, but shortage, no shortage of people who had like single scenes. And that was it. I mean, it was, it was yeah. great. Uh, I thought it was really kind of cool the way they did it. A character would come into the movie and then just be gone. I mean, they, they played their part and then were just gone. Whereas yep. Joe and and uh, whoever played whoever Big Ryan was playing at the time had scene after scene after scene after scene together. So uh, any honorable mentions that you would like to start with, Jason? I'm sure you are the most sensitive to this. Uh, the one that surprised me that I did not realize until rewatching it again last night was Nathan Lane. Yes, Wait, a very small As role, the actually. advice man. He was uh, the uh, the Waponi who came out on the boat and said, "Are you Joe?" That was Nathan Lane. <laughs> that was Nathan Lane. It was his third ever movie. Yeah, very very early in his on screen acting career. And yeah. then he was also the one who was narrating the story of the volcano god at the celebration. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a good the, one. The one I n- note which sadly is the character that made me the most uncomfortable, but the actor I appreciated the most is Abe Vigoda. <laughs> Another one. I love Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda is, oh, is good at everything. <laughs> everything he it. does. I mean, his character is never very a lot, but he was great as the chief of the Waponis. Oh, okay, that's who we're talking about. I was like, I don't recognize that yeah. name at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of these actors may not mean much that's to you, fair. Vanessa. Um, Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd Bridges. Lloyd Bridges played Granmore. Right. Uh, are basically Daddy. our villain in the piece, as it turns out. You know, they originally they shot an originally shot a different ending for this, where uh, they get away after the island blows up, whatever. They get away and uh, they end up back on picked up by the the Tweedledum, picked up by the other boat, and uh, Doctor Ellison and Graynamore are there, and that's where you find out about the collusion of them and uh, you know how they had designed this whole thing. And I don't remember what how it panned out. I'm sure it was all it was all happy ending stuff after that. You know, they got they got wow. theirs. They ended up being stranded in the ocean while uh, you know our, our main characters got to sail away happily or whatever. <laughs> but eh. I liked the opening. I liked the ending they had. I did uh, too. Sorta. I mean, it was really campy. <laughs> here's the funny thing. I watched this movie when I was younger ish. I mean, obviously, it came out like I was in high school, but. I watched this movie a long time ago, but I didn't remember the ending at all. I watched this movie like last year, I think, or the year before when I was really bored, I guess, one day. 
and thought, you know, I haven't seen Joe versus the volcano in a very long time, and I don't remember how it ends. Does Joe jump into the volcano? What the hell? I think he lives at the end, so he must not jump into the volcano. It turns out both were true. Wow. So as we were prepping for this one, I already knew what to expect. But I think because I knew what to expect, it didn't hit me as badly as it did the last time I watched it. When I get to that part and I went, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what kind of storytelling is this? Yeah. <laughs> Robert Stack, of course, is Dr. Ellison. Great casting there. You have a brain cloud. I definitely, I'm pretty sure I got a clip with him in it because, you know, just having Robert Stack on the show already elevates our cash a little bit. Dan Hedaya, I mentioned him. Of course, he's great at the kind of role he played in this, which is very Dan Hedaya. I'm not arguing that with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Mr. Waturi, his name was. Uh, Amanda Plummer. Did anybody catch her on yes. the show? Anybody yeah. see that? She played Dagmar. Right, Dagmar. That was, uh, that was a young Amanda Plummer. Aussie Davis, who was Marshall, the limo driver. Excellent character. I loved his character. Lots of fun. Yeah, One of my favorite sections of the film, actually. Yeah, that's probably my absolute favorite scene. And my favorite right. blink and you'll miss it cameo in the film, Carol Kane. Shazam! She was the hairdresser. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Carol Kane? We've actually had her on the show once before. She was in Scrooge as the Ghost of Christmas Past. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, she was in uh, Princess Bride. Might, you might recognize her from there better. She's not a witch. She's your wife. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Uh, that's my list. Anybody I miss? Anybody think of anybody I miss that's relevant? I just totally uh, kinda... No, I don't think so. No, you got all the ones that I knew, <laughs> which was a very short list. <laughs> but <laughs> Let's see them. Box office, $25 million budget. Uh, looks like opening weekend was $9.2 Gross was 39.4. So It clearly made its money back. I don't think it was a complete flop, but obviously it didn't do much. Uh, so in the sequence where he is showing the books to Mr. Waturi mm -hmm. during the fantastic quitting my job sequence, uh, the books he, he showed were Romeo and Juliet, Robinson Crusoe, and The Odyssey, which is pretty much this film. Those three things. I loved all of the, the photos of volcanoes through the opening sequence before he even gets the proposition. Yeah, that was good stuff. Well, I mean, the name of the movie, you know, yeah. going in, something's going on. Just the imagery was pretty. A little uh, Chekhov's gun fun. Everything we see Joe buy during his shopping spree, we see again. Yeah. Some of it, including, of course, like the luggage, talked about the violin case bar, the umbrella, the lantern. They have practical applications that save lives. So I did cool. appreciate all of that. I love that stuff. Each time Joe makes a life change, he throws away a hat. <laughs> Anybody catch that? I, I caught one of the hats flying. I didn't catch more than one. When he quits his job... In, in, in he throws he he throws the hat away in the desk trash can instead of hanging it on the rack. Mm -hmm. When he gets on the boat, throws away the the bush hat, you know. Yeah. And uh, when he goes to rescue Patricia, he has a rain slicker hat in his hand and he throws it away. <laughs> so it was actually his hat, but he still made a life life you know life changing decision right there. Uh, another bit of trivia that I found really fun is that there's an animal motif. Uh, there's a duck in the scene each time Joe is taken advantage of. This one's good. So there's a ceramic oh. duck on the shelf of his doctor's office, Dr. Ellison's okay. office. Graynamore prominently displays the duck-shaped handle's walking mm -hmm. stick when he sells Joe on the knock, idea knock, of throwing himself into the volcano. Uh, when the male will ponies haze Joe by slapping with fish and octopuses, the film cuts to a duck quacking nearby. <laughs> all this I remember is, that duck. All this is foreshadowing that the doctor who falsely told Joe that he's dying is a quack. 
Oh, wow. Nice. Ultimate pun. I thought you guys were I do like that. That's beautiful. So uh, the other thing I want to mention before I hand the baton off to you guys, the awesome music in this movie, which, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not truly enchanted by the score. It, it wasn't much. It was appropriate, whatever. But uh, it, it, and and George Delarue did uh, George Delarue did uh, some stuff like said uh, John Patrick Stanley the the director's lyrics to music including Marooned Without You and the Cowboy Song which Hanks sang himself. Uh, but also things like the Eric Burden cover of Sixteen Tons that plays at the beginning in the opening sequence, which is just that was beautifully good. beautifully sequenced, and the Ray Charles version of Old Man River when Joe finds out that he's dying. Just amazing selections. I just, I felt like it really punctuated the scenes so well. It added a lot of drama that otherwise would have fallen flat with anything less. And the song during the shopping sequence. Yes. I can't remember what that's called, but that was such good background for that. Wasn't there like some weird translation of the saints go marching in when he gets to the island too? I think that was an original to the island okay. music. I saw the theme that you're thinking of, though. I saw trivia on this, and I didn't. Ta- I didn't uh, track it because I. I didn't. I wasn't necessarily terribly interested in it. But there is a, a song. What is it? Um, you guys feel free to talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna look this <laughs> up. This is what you get for not pulling the trivia, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm a very busy man. I know it. <laughs> Let's 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 keep this in perspective, shall we? Uh, we're watching Joe versus the volcano. We have well passed perspective. <laughs> so mean. So good. Uh, it was part of a trope. What this? All this. All Jews are Ashkenazi. Uh, the Waponis who descend partially from ancient Jews rescued Joe and Patricia while singing Hava Nagila, an Ashkenazi-style folk Jewish song, which was written in the 20th century. Um, and Nagila, not the Saints Go Marching In. Ah. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a small difference. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Overall, I find this movie an interesting kind of um, symbol of the time that it was made. And again, I would have told you that this movie was like mid 80s. I thought it was 80s too. When, I, when it popped up and said 1990, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. But a lot of it is because the pastiche quality of the movie is extremely intentional. You know, there's a the type of movie that this director was trying to make is not one I honestly ever really appreciated much. I don't actually appreciate old, old cinema very much. And there's a lot of that classic cinema, you know, trope that he's trying to build into the into the very filmmaking process. You know, the cinematography, uh, the acting, the coordination, the marks, everything, uh, the script in a lot of cases. But the people who, you know, executed it, did it beautifully. And um, I did really appreciate Tom Hanks in this. I I felt like, especially for the time, like he was venturing out into some new directions, trying different things. And this was a really fun uh, direction for him to go at that point. And again, requires a little perspective, you know. And I think (laughs) it was, it was Tom Hanks at his not Tom Hanksiest. He right. was he he was not just being Tom Hanks in this movie like he is in so many of his films. He it wasn't ah, just yeah. the goof. I mean, there was a little bit of the goof at the edges. I was going to say I I didn't get that, but okay, I'll take your read off of him. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased. You don't have to take. I'm definitely I biased. I'm definitely biased. I'm definitely biased. But to me, it was the same old Tom Hanks. 
your bias is very clearly directed I in that vein. I did too, watch this back at the day because I remember being uncomfortable with certain parts of it even back then. <laughs> wow. Richard, show us where the bad man touched you. This is a, a really <laughs> weird subject, a really weird problem for you. I can't do this. It's not that type of podcast. <laughs> uh, on second thought, yeah, thank you. Um, I, I do have to say on that note, actually, that uh, I had three different trigger issues with this oh movie. Oh, my. The terminal illness mm-hmm. aspect, obviously. And uh, that that was kind of touch and go. And then um, I've managed to block out one of them. That's, that's probably a good thing. We'll just leave that there. And then, uh, of course, it's a romantic comedy. So that that's a pretty serious trigger issue. Is that comedy? <laughs> oh. As opposed to what? <laughs> Docudrama. I, was, was anyone, I write sins, was anyone tragedies. under the impression it wasn't a comedy? <laughs> no, this was I'm 100% confused. a comedy. Thank you. Rich was Thank just you. pointing out that he wasn't a... laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Much. Well, uh, Jason, what what is it that brought you to recommend this? I'm really curious what your logic was. Oh, this has always been one of my favorites. I saw it in the theaters when I was 10. I enjoyed it thoroughly then. I watched I watched it on HBO on repeat when throughout my middle school and high school years. I love the comedy. I love the little jokes. I love the pacing. It, they're, it's little blocks. They're like chapters. You know, it's just like, okay, here's this little section, and then you turn the page, and it's a completely different little section, and then you turn the page, and it's a completely different little section. I just, I like the way the movie progresses. I like the way it's presented, and yeah. I find it hilarious as all get out. And I wanted to raise my average because I knew (laughs) damn well that because it had Tom Hanks in it, it would fail on Richard's book. Because it was a rom-com with a forced romance, it would fail in Vanessa's book. And I was 50-50 on whether or not Kid would get it. So I figured there was only even a chance of one, maybe two really good scores. So it'll pump up my average closer to the rest of the group. Whereas if I gave another movie that everybody loved, it wouldn't help me any. (laughs) I gave Cloud Atlas a four and a half. Mind you, most of that was Suki. (laughs) How very meta of you, sir. Nobody expected what we did with Cloud Atlas. If you if you've never no, listened to that episode and you've actually seen the movie, you should definitely go back and check it out because we were floored by our own reactions to that film. To, to be fair, it's like eighteen films scrooped into one plot. So which you, which is a mixed bag. We all bag. appreciate different movies. Yeah, you know, it's it's a mixed bag. A lot of people that a lot of people don't like Cloud we Atlas for exactly bag. that reason, though. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, so it's not purely nostalgia for you, which I'd kind of wondered about. Not purely, no. I love it now. I, I love it just as much now as I did then. It makes me laugh out loud every time. It makes me do the little giddy, happy hand dance with uh, <laughs> the guy. When, when, when you see the doors in the luggage store with the sky windows and he goes to open it to sh- reveal the trunk, it's just like, oh, yes, That guy was comes. really into luggage. <laughs> I think that actually may tail into part of why I didn't like it, because you talk about when you were at that time I was in college, I was working with the uh, American Indian movement and learning about cultural insensitivity before that was a term. So that was kind of interesting. So I may have had a bias against the film from that. Interesting. I I do think the little giddy hand dance is cute. So. (laughs) Uh, clips. Do you guys have anything else to no, good. talk about? Let's do clips. Mm, yeah. Clips like good. a place of clips. I mean, we'll have stuff to talk about. How about a taste of Hadea? What's this theory telling me about the catalogs? I only got 12. How did you let us get down to 12? I told you. When? Uh, three weeks ago and then two weeks ago. Did you tell me last week? No. Why not? I, I don't know. I thought you knew. Not good enough, Joe. Not nearly good enough. I put you in charge of the entire advertising library. Now you mean this room. I give you carte blanche how to deal with the materials in here. You put the orders in the printer, Mr. Waturi, not me. That's how you wanted it. You are not competent to put the orders into the printer. Okay. Anybody have flashbacks to bosses they've had in their own life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my second trigger issue. Thank you. <laughs> They're just... And, I mean, I realize it's, it's exaggerated. Oh, yeah. But, wow. Not much. I've dealt with that guy that guy i've actually dealt with worse considerably worse and that's exactly why that's a trigger for me thank you i'm not arguing that with you Uh, (laughs) brilliant if not obvious casting i mean you know need somebody be this guy maybe they wrote the part specifically for him because i don't know what dan was doing at the time a lot of those people i I, a lot of those actors i did not stop and look up exactly where in their career but did they write anything was this just in a big old improv workshop that's hard to say just don't know hard to say (laughs) well meg ryan probably had to have lines she was playing three or four or five people she kept. She's good at workshopping different characters. She can't stay on a character. That's the thing. <laughs> that was the appeal. <laughs> it's it's like, like, no, I want a different character now. What are we going to do? Just put you in a wig? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How about a stacked diagnosis? Brain cloud? There's a black fog of tissue running right down the center of your brain. It's very rare. It'll spread at a regular rate. It's very destructive. And it's incurable. Yes. How long? Six months. You can pretty much count on it being about that. It's not painful. Your brain will simply fail, followed abruptly by your body. You can depend on at least four and a half or five months of perfect health. Wait, what are you talking about, doctor? I don't feel good right now. Well, that's the ironic part, really. Mr. Banks, you're a hypochondriac. There's nothing wrong with you that has anything to do with your symptoms. Now, my guess is that your experiences in the fire department were extremely traumatic. You experienced the imminent possibility of death several times. Yeah. You survived. But the cumulative anxiety of those brushes with death left you habitually fearful about your physical person. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. Which has no symptoms. That's right. (laughs) Okay. I love that man's voice. Uh, I do love love, his voice. I love love that man's voice. He has a very radio Uh, personality voice. 
Oh, gosh. Well, it takes you right back to Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) It really does. It really does. Oh, man. Um, Of course, also, you know, also uh, Airplane. Was it? Love that. The second one. First or second one. One of the Airplane movies. And it's like, I just, he's one of those characters. One of those those character actors that does that. I thought it was both. That would explain why that was recommended after I watched this. (laughs) That wouldn't be It should be recommended after every movie. (laughs) Wow. I'm glad Rich didn't think of that one and gave us Rock and Roll High School. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Just saying. Uh, see, three hundred dollars a week. This life, life. What a joke. This situation. This room. Uh, Joe, maybe you should just go. You look terrible, Mister Watori. You look like a bag of shit stuffed in a cheap suit. Not that anybody could look good under these zombie lights. I, I, I can feel them sucking the juice out of my eyeball. Suck, 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 suck. <laughs> three hundred bucks a week. That's the news. For 300 bucks a week, I've lived in this sink, this used rubber. You watch it, mister. There's a woman here. Don't you think I know that, Frank? Don't you think that I am aware that there is a woman here? I can smell her like, like a flower. I can taste her like sugar on my tongue. When I'm 20 feet away, I can hear the fabric of her dress when she moves in her chair. Not that I've done anything about it. I've gone all day, every day, not doing nothing. Saying not taking the chance for three hundred dollars a week. <laughs> yep. I got yeah, this reminded wow. me about how I felt at the beginning of this movie when I felt soul sucking just coming out of me. <laughs> and that's obviously what you're intended to. Um, you know, what I really liked Dan Hadea and though was uh, uh, the Adams family. Yes. That's totally. Yes. Yes. Brilliant, beautiful cast. He was also great in The Usual Suspects. Everybody was great in The Usual Suspects, including the guy we can't talk about. <laughs> Especially ah, the guy we present. can't talk about. Yeah, and uh, like that, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> like guys were saucy. Uh, let's see. Uh, the setup. There's a mineral on that island, Mr. Banks. It's called Boobaro. I don't know anywhere else on the planet where you can find more than a gram of this stuff. And believe me, I've looked. Because without Boobaro, I can't make my superconductors. I tried to get the mineral rights from the Waponis, but I don't seem to have anything they want. But they do want a hero, Mr. Banks. And they'll give me the mineral rights if I find them one. Why would I jump into a volcano? You haven't got any money. I checked. You want to wait it out here in this this apartment? Not the way I'd want to go, I tell you that. You could shop today. Yeah, get yourself some clothes, you know, for an adventure. And tomorrow, a plane to L.A. First class, naturally. And you'll be met. Stay at the best hotel. And the next day, you board a yacht. Gourmet chef. Sail to the South Pacific 10, 15 days. While ponies come out to meet you. Oh, a total red carpet situation. You're a national hero. You're Charles Lindbergh. It's wine, women, and song in the sweetest little paradise you ever saw. And then, you jump into the volcano. Lloyd Bridges, another airplane alum. Beautiful casting for this. Eccentric, weird. Again, they may not have bothered with the script. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the setup. So I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't necessarily remember how he got into this. I, I remembered that there was the offer. I didn't necessarily remember until watching it that the guy showed up unannounced, unexpectedly 
at his home, acting all eccentric and poking holes in the wall, and offered him To a be fair, deal. his wall had a lot so, of holes already. Yeah, no doubt notice. <laughs> and not only with an offer, but a pocket full of credit cards that already had Joe's name on them. Did they? I didn't even notice that. That's great. Joseph Banks, Joseph Banks, Joseph Banks. I found myself wondering, it's like the magic of the gold card, conceptually. It's like a product of that era as well. You know, it's like... I. <laughs> He obviously was able to buy absolutely anything he wanted. He could just throw money around. It was just great. I can't even wrap my head around it for some reason. Not having money for long enough will do that. <laughs> long enough? How about ever? Forever, I mean, yeah. Your entire life is long enough. <laughs> you know, Vanessa, for somebody who's that much younger than me to bring that into that perspective... Makes me wish we'd watched a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. Um, Marshall. Marshall was one of my favorite characters. Here we go. Why are you stopping the car? They just hired me to drive the car, sir. I'm not here to tell you who you are. I didn't ask you to tell me who I am. You're hinting around about clothes. That happens to be a very important topic to me, sir. Clothes, Mr. Banks. Banks. Clothes makes demand. I believe that. You say to me you want to go shopping, want to buy clothes, but you don't know what kind. You leave that hanging in the air like I'm going to fill in the blanks. Now, that to me is like asking me who you are, and I don't know who you are. I don't want to know. It's taken me all my life to find out who I am, and I am tired now. You hear what I'm saying? What's your name? Joe. Mine's Marshall. How you do? Wait a minute. I'm coming back. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that was that was the magic moment for that character. <laughs> the, the point at which he just you know threw it threw it threw went all in. Right. He he was my favorite character Indeed. in the movie. Uh, Marshall for totally NBC. fine with that. Uh, that's fair. I mean, he actually had quite a bit of influence on the trajectory of the film at that point. Uh, and I love Ossie Davis. He was particularly great in, of all things, Bubba Hotep. If you've never don't. seen it. If you've never seen it, don't. <laughs> if you've never seen it, it clearly belongs on our list, <laughs> according to uh, Vanessa's reaction. It's so bad. Bubba Hotep has one of the greatest, hands down, impersonations of Elvis I've ever seen on the silver screen. Uh, that's a terrible thing to say. You gave oh Bruce God, Campbell so much credit there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and he's playing an aging. <laughs> just, I, oh, it's, it's such a wow, bad you like movie. a Bruce Campbell. <laughs> I have never seen it's Baba so Hotel. No, but Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Oh, like if you want me to completely shred a movie through an entire podcast, we can totally watch it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it won't be the first time. <laughs> And it won't, it won't be the last. High five, Rich. <laughs> Smack the camera. Uh, Super eight. <laughs> Super eight. Oh, you look at a movie she shredded through. Is she she shredded Super <laughs> eight so oh, hard. I'm sure. I'm sure there's been a few. Try to think of any movie we've done that has um well has any romance at all. Uh, think of <laughs> any any movie, you know. Uh, any, movie, any movie we've done that has sword fighting? She was the low score, uh, real genius. She she did a one, and everybody else was three or higher. She, it was she a bad real movie. Genius, a one. What is this girl doing on our show? Uh, <laughs> she's there to keep us grounded on things like real genius. Like I'm there to keep you guys grounded on the rest of the stuff. <laughs> on everything else. <laughs> 
Oh, dear God. Okay. Um, uh, blank. My father says that almost the whole world is asleep. Everybody you know, everybody you see, everybody you talk to. He says that only a few people are awake, and they live in a state of constant, total amazement. I have less than six months to live. The Waponis believe they need a human sacrifice, or their island is going to sink into the ocean. They have this mineral your father wants, so he hired me to leap into their volcano. What? You're not going to make me say that again, are you? No. <laughs> well, aren't you going to say anything? I don't know what to say. You tell me you're dying. You tell me you're jumping into a volcano. My mind is a blank. And that was that was a Meg Ryan delivery right there. You could could see could see her hand in the air and everything. It's like yep. my mind is a blank. You she didn't a, get any Angelica. No, I didn't. And I just I, I was just about to comment on that because I just realized I skipped over that section of the movie, and that says a lot about where I was in my head. And I apologize. <laughs> her delivery as Angelica annoyed me so much I just couldn't I'm okay with that because yeah, you know, Angelica, Angelica was the worst part of the movie long ago she was my favorite I should have gotten her poetry want to hear it again <laughs> oh my gosh uh, so yeah I apologize for that Jason I should have I should have gotten some Angelica for you I definitely should have it's okay um, you only wanted to hear but it I lot. did like that <laughs> I did pull that for exactly that moment that I was talking about there, where at the end of that clip, where Meg sounds so much like Meg Ryan. And I don't mean like, you know, it's like this is, she's a one note actor or anything. Obviously, this movie demonstrates that she's not. But uh, that that was very natural. The, a lot of the rest of the her performance in this film doesn't come off as natural to me. Patricia's the only character who really does, and in some parts more so than others. And there's another part towards the end, which I think I got in clip as well. Where both of them sound so natural that it feels like it's a different movie, but but it's right during the romantic climax of the film, so it makes sense. Um, what have I got? I've got hero. Joe Banks, we are the children of children, and we live as we are shown. <laughs> now a change has come. The Waponies like this soda, and no one among my people would jump into the big woo. They've traded with this man, your father, for a hero. We have no hero of our own. I am the Toby. I cannot be the hero. It is my place to hope for my people. But the woo calls, and no one from my people says, I'll go to my end for the rest of you. I, I don't have any people of my own, Chief. I'm my only hope for a hero. Once more, I'll call upon the Waponies for a hero. Who knew woe's away? Who knew woe? Drama said sets away. Come along. Now. His flesh. Take me to the volcano. <laughs> Here a moment, and again, very Tom Hanks. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to play some Abe, Abe on there. I mean, we're definitely worth it. Does, does any, is there any actual meaning to the Wapuni words? I'm just curious. Oh, surely not. I could not imagine. I can 100% say that I really hope he was just spouting gibberish. Same with uh, what Nathan Lane was doing during the storytelling. It was all just a bunch of hoops and hollers. Yeah. On one hand, that's a relief. On the other hand, it's kind of disappointing. They could have snuck that's more true. Easter eggs in that way. 
Possibly. Uh, let's see. I only got a few left. I'm just, most of this is just kind of illustrating kind of the path of the movie or just highlighting performances that I found interesting. Yeah, if you guys are, you know, if, if I'm way off base, You're you fine. guys let me know. Did you get the luggage scene? The luggage When he's getting scene. the luggage? Yeah, the the little speech about... Oh, uh, about the luggage. About the luggage? No, I didn't. I, I thought about it at the time, and uh, some reason I, I was worried about how many clips I was pulling from early. Ah, and okay. So I ended up not pulling it, but you're right. In retrospect, that would have been a fun one. And that guy, again, was really into his luggage. Gosh. I looked up who that actor was, and I forgot, but it was He fun. wasn't anybody of consequence, I don't think. Um, I hear that a lot in life. Love. You love me? Yes. I love you. I can feel my heart. I feel like I'm going crazy. You just can't die and leave me here on the stinking earth without you. I've got to do it. Why? Why? The chief doesn't even want you to do it. Do you, chief? Because I have wasted my entire life and I'm going to die. Now I have a chance to die like a man and I'm going to take it. I've got to take it. I love you. I love you too. I've never been in love with anybody before either. It's great. I am glad. <laughs> but the timing stinks. I gotta go. That, that was a good delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Again, very T. Hanks there at the end. But yeah, but the timing stinks. Um, so, Vanessa, I'm sure you're going to go into it a little bit in your thumbs up, thumbs up. You're already grinning at me. How forced is this? Does this feel like a forced romance? A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I was kind of curious, since the movie kind of pivoted on it, but didn't take itself too seriously anyway, I've been trying to figure out if that was an issue hanging on this plot. So I went to the expert. (laughs) Is it an issue? Not necessarily. Is it forced? 100%. Legit. Uh, and, and continuing on the, because you know, we're going to run into a lot of this here at the end of the movie because they were the only ones who had scenes together. So, you know, seen you before. Joe, nobody knows anything. We'll take this leap and we'll see. We'll jump and we'll see. That's life. I saw the moon when we were out there on the ocean, shining down on everything. I've been miserable so long. Years of my life wasted been a long time coming here to meet you a long time on a crooked road did i ever tell you the first time i saw you i felt like i'd seen you before you're not going anywhere without me that was the funniest line in the movie Mostly because he had seen her a bunch of times <laughs> it's funnier when he says it to Dee. that's fair Oh, yeah. Does he? He does. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It is implied that Meg Ryan was also someone in Joe's past. Because he says to Dee Dee, the first time I saw you, I thought I had seen you I think it was on the date. Somehow she's every every woman in his life, yeah. So the reality is we could be seeing her through his, through the filter of his, you know, the, the way he sees the women in his life. They may not look anything like each other at all. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, so is this a complete send up of some style of movie? You think? I mean, is there is there a, an element of this that is com- intended to be farcical? I sure hope so. <laughs> I hope so because yeah, because the volcano be seems adventure. to symbolize that, right? At the very end, it's like, is especially given the fact that they jump and then pushed right back out. You see the uh, the uh, vortex in the volcano the first time they show it. There's a swirly vortex of volcano weather inside when you first see the volcano and 
it, they weren't. When they, they weren't saved by a vortex. They were saved by love. Don't make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Jason that asked you to watch the movie, uh, and you broke out in hives this week, right? <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the medicine after all. One more time on the brain cloud. I still have a problem. What? I have a brain cloud. Brain cloud. What is a brain cloud? Well, it's... Maybe I should get a second opinion. You didn't get a second opinion about something called a brain cloud? All right, all right. I just felt... I mean, what are you, a hypochondriac? I was. Oh, not now. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Dr. Ellison said I was only going to lose. So some quack told you what you... Dr. Ellison? Yeah. That's my father's doctor. He is? Dr. Ellison doesn't have any other patients. My father owned Dr. Ellison. Well, why would he... He set you up. Who? My father. You mean he... Yeah. Set me up? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't have a brain cloud. Brain cloud, a brain cloud. You think they could think of something better than a brain cloud? <laughs> Again, very natural in that scene. And we're right at the end of the movie. Their delivery is very natural. You know, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan being more organic in the way they deliver the lines, which I really like. I think because maybe, and maybe that's just part of the problem, is that I'm touched by the magic <laughs> of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. But I like their natural delivery. And so it works out real well here for me. Anyway. Um, that's all my clips. Anybody have anything to insert before I hit the button? Nope. <laughs> you guys are my favorite people for a reason. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down, Rich. All right. Well, thumbs up. The luggage. All the little things. The things that came back and saved everybody. I did enjoy that little bit, how all the stuff... That he bought that seemed useless at the time was useful, uh, mostly because I'm a pack rat and that's how I live my life and that's how I go on vacation. <laughs> uh, thumbs down. To me, the whole film felt like it was begging for me to find enjoyment in the story. And it kept falling short and then changing to something else that seemed like it was trying to do something. And I just... For me, I just couldn't get to hit, and I don't know if it was because I was too busy being annoyed at certain things or uncomfortable at certain things, and I really think there was a lot of bias going on in my life. I hadn't even fully locked in not liking watching Tom Hanks movies at that point. I just literally didn't care for the way this movie pulled through when I first watched it, and that did not improve on this second watching. The adventure made me uncomfortable in a way that I never felt was redeemed. And um, I found the ending where the volcano pushed them out kind of disappointing on multiple levels, but mostly on the fact that it felt like the whole cheating of the swooping in and deus ex machina, whatever. I, I'm, I'm giving it one and a half stars. Richard, that may be one of the most cogent reviews I've ever heard from you. I really dislike this movie. You had some absolutely amazing language in that that really articulated your point well. And I am not shitting you. <laughs> I really uh, enjoyed that. I don't agree with you on the rating, but definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely appreciate your perspective. 
probably because we've been talking about Joe versus the volcano, and this seems like a better story. I, from the point at you, <laughs> which you said, that's funny. From the point at which you said this movie seems to be begging, what? How did you phrase it? The story seems to be begging me to enjoy it. Begging to enjoy the story. Begging me to enjoy yeah, the story. To find enjoyment in the story. And I just love the way you said that. Everything after that was. I, I don't know if you rehearsed that. I don't know if you wrote it all down first. But well done, sir. I sketched out while we were talking earlier. I mean, I I sketch things out. Sometimes I'm better at it than other times. Well, you know, you're definitely getting to your. You're definitely getting better at the talking point thing. <laughs> Nicely done. Anyway, I'll get off of that now. I, I just need something more interesting to talk about than the movie. <laughs> Vanessa. Okay. Well, my thumbs down is Angelica. Just in general, that character absolutely pissed me off every single second that she was on. Now I definitely wish I'd had some. Every on. single second <laughs> of her talking, just every bit of it. Her character sucked ass and completely took me out of the movie for that entire segment. That was right. <laughs> Wait. So, so Angelica's poetry is Vanessa's equivalent Pretty of much. Vogon poetry. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, that was really like my big like down point in the movie. It felt forced. It felt rushed, but it still told the story that it was trying to tell. <laughs> I actually liked Joe. I felt the beginning, I'll, I'll buy the fact that it was depressing as all get out. It gave his life a start on why he would be a person that would go into a volcano. If I had that job, I would walk into a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get away from the Just job. Just to get away from the job. <laughs> Almost as good a story. <laughs> Dude. I, I actually liked a lot of the side characters. I, I appreciated the story for what it was. I don't know that I would ever watch it again. It was definitely like the romance was 100% forced. The only reason that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan got together is because Tom Hanks was the main character and Meg Ryan was every female. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the romance wasn't forced. Maybe it just so happens that she's whoever he did fall in love yeah. with right then. <laughs> That being said, I'm 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 giving it a solid middle. It's two and a half. Nice. All right, Jason, let's talk about your favorite movie today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thumbs down. It's hard because I don't disagree with a bunch of the things that everybody else disagrees <laughs> with. One of my thumbs down. I wish we could have gotten to meet more Meg Ryan's. <laughs> Or uh, at very least, dealt with them for a little bit longer instead of just one scene each. Meg Ryan is Agent Smith. Sorry. <laughs> Way ahead of its time. And I liked, on a personal level, I liked Angelica better than I liked Patricia. I thought she was a more self-actualized person who realized where she was in life, and while she was a bit shallow and a quote a self-professed liberty gibbet, she knew what she was and that she was taking daddy's money and living the high life because of it. Whereas Patricia was doing the same thing, but trying to claim this fierce independence and really, really wasn't. So I'm going to give my thumbs down to the fact that he got with Patricia, not with Angelica. <laughs> And thumbs up. I, I, I pointed at it earlier. 
but I love the pacing. I love the symbolism. I love the blocking. I love the callbacks. I love the music. Like the the symbol for the company keeps <laughs> showing up throughout the movie. It is the lightning bolt that sinks the ship. It is the walkway up the volcano. I was wondering if anyone was going to mention was, that. It uh, was there was another one between company sidewalk there was something between the company and the lightning bolt i can't well, remember what it was chunk of movie in there yeah but uh something when he was shopping that there was that ziggy zaggy symbol uh but just the little callbacks like that that just the continuity to the film the progression the thing that you talked about the ducks i noticed the ducks but i never put two and two together that it was because he was a quack and the universe was trying to warn joe i wouldn't have either if she hadn't said a quack like you know or some quack you know it's like oh yeah and you know it's just all of those things i liked the comedy i love aussie davis's speech i love the luggage guy's speech very interesting as a luggage problem. <laughs> I love I love the fact that wherever they are in the ocean, all of the people sink, but the luggage floats. Actually, no, I will put that as a thumbs down. A whole island sinks. The only thing that surfaces is the four do pieces. Do steamer trunks luggage. even float? <laughs> they do if they're oh, watertight. Yes. If they're well, and even if they're not watertight, they will float and then they will slowly sink. Buoyancy is based off of a number of factors, but we don't have time to go into it. It was very specifically stated during the luggage purchase scene that they are tight as a drum, exquisite manufacturing, okay. and right. But if the contents had a higher specific gravity than the water, they would have sunk. Uh, even then, it would have to overcome the air that's trapped in the steamer trunk. And unless you have crammed that thing, that steamer trunk has a lot of air in it. Exactly. Kid, you would have filled it with books, and books do have a higher specific gravity than water. I Do you know how much a steamer trunk that size full of books would weigh? I ain't lugging that thing around. Are you crazy? That would weigh so much. Anybody, anybody notice that Tom Hanks' character got a haircut to make him look more like Tom Hanks, and that was supposed to be beautiful? Just <laughs> thought that was funny. Nope. Uh, I don't to do anything. <laughs> so... I just, I loved the progression. I loved everything about it. It's one of my favorite movies. I've watched it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and it 100% absolutely gets five stars from me. Cool. All right. Kid, want to bring us home? I had no idea what to expect from this movie. I'd never seen it before. Literally, the only thing I knew about it was the name. So I was kind of halfway expecting this kind of quirky, action-y adventure. Um, I had no pre-warning whatsoever that I was walking into a rom-com. Which, if I had known that and had the chance to brace for it, might have changed my movie experience considerably. But that was not the case. Um, And I, I, in hindsight, feel like I should beat myself severely about the head and shoulders because I did know that it was a Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan movie. Uh, yeah. (laughs) So, but that just goes to show how much I've disassociated myself from romantic comedies as a whole, because that just didn't click for me. Um, That being said, I sat through the movie, I paid attention for the most part, and I 
was fully prepared to give this movie a half a star rating. But I decided, you know what, there were a few things, a couple of things that I actually enjoyed in the movie. And so I made a list and I decided the things that I enjoyed enough, I would go ahead and give the movie back a half star for. So here's my thumbs up. My thumbs down, that was what I just covered. Here's my thumbs up. I loved the rant at the beginning at work before he walked out. That just made me giggle. Uh, I'm going to give it back a half a star for that one. And then the luggage. I've touched on it. We've all touched on it. But I absolutely loved the luggage. The only luggage I like more is Terry Pratchett's luggage. This is a solid right behind the luggage off Discworld. I'm going to give it back half a star. Uh, I mentioned that I absolutely love that dude's voice, the doctor. Robert Stack. I, you know, yes. ultra I love his voice in Transformers the movie. I know. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name, but I knew that's who that was. I'm giving it back half a star for that one. And then um, the fact that at the end of the movie, Joe didn't even flinch. He was just like, no, I, I took this. I'm going to jump in the volcano. It's redeeming my entire life. I'm going to die anyways. He wouldn't be dissuaded. He carried through and... I was actually touched that because the whole movie I'm thinking you know it's so transparent we're going to get to the end he's not going to jump in the volcano no no that wasn't it at all it was not even so I, I'm giving it back half a star for that uh, and then it gets a half a star for that weird constellation hallucination he had on the raft I <laughs> love that moon. that was awesome <laughs> yes and, and the literal constellations when he looked up in the sky yeah, so I'm giving it three stars. Woohoo! <laughs> I was going to say, that was a lot of half a star being racked up. Oh, oh yeah, I crap. forgot to mention in my um, bit that I also felt, as Richard did, on being cheated that he didn't actually die in the volcano. <laughs> that would have been an you awful spent the whole the movie the building film, up though. to it. He's going to jump in the volcano. He's going to jump in the volcano. He's jumping in. Oh, look, the volcano just rejected him. <laughs> You, Which you know, know, actually, that was, was terrible. That was appropriate. <laughs> that was appropriate because the volcano god rejected them because it was never about someone jumping in the volcano. It was about his people being willing to make that sacrifice, and none of them would. They got this outsider eh. to come do it for them, so they could completely shirk the responsibility. So he killed them all. That was absolutely the, appropriate. The whole thing's like one of my horrible dreams that just won't stop and keeps shifting. Interesting insight into Richard. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, waffling on this three and a half stars, Rich. Not going to be one of my better ratings, oh. I know. Well, somehow, somehow through the chaos, we ended up giving this thing three stars overall, meaning it's an okay movie. Don't go to it watching super realism. Don't go into it if you don't want a rom-com. Don't go into it if you don't want to watch Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks do their thing. But actually, I was trying to think if I'd ever seen Meg Ryan do anything that wasn't effectively a rom-com. I was trying to think of any. I don't think so. But do go into it if you absolutely want to see some amazing luggage. That's true. That's true. Luggage goals. I loved, I'll take four. <laughs> it's like, it's May God bless bad. you for a thousand lives. Well, and I was like, why four? And then when he had to make the luggage raft, I'm like, that's why four? Yeah, worked out yeah. beautifully. <laughs> All right. I suppose that will wrap that one up then. Um, I appreciate everybody hanging through this one. 
If you watched Joe versus the Volcano for the first time before sitting down and listening to our show, I apologize Sorry. profusely, oh. but I hope you enjoyed either the movie or our discussion of it. And I very much hope you did. And to be fair, like I like you know, kind of indicated by our overall rating, we didn't hate it, and I didn't think it was a bad movie. I just could have wanted more out of it. I think I don't know. It doesn't speak to me the same way as it does to Jason, and that's fair. That's why we do this. All right. So, uh, what do we got coming up next week, kid? Did you make a decision? Because it is your choice now. So I had a good list of maybe a dozen movies I was really looking forward to. And I had to shoot them down one after the other. A lot of them just because they weren't available on streaming. Some of them because uh, they wouldn't be appreciated by my fellow cast or panel members. A couple because they simply wouldn't be appropriate for the venue. Um, And after much deliberation and agonizing, agonizing chopping of my list, I'm afraid the movie we are going to be watching for our next episode is in fact Green Lantern. Oh my god! What? Uh, like the actor? Green oh. Lantern is your choice? Aren't you supposed yes. to pick something you would like? actually like to watch? Am I confused here? <laughs> That's not actually part of the selective criteria. That's fair. Oh, you snap. are trying to hurt people. <laughs> That's what you're trying to do. It was down to that or the last airbender, and I took the lesser of two oh, weeks. To be fair, oh, I would have also watched that one and shat all over I it. just finished the series. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I blame Canada. All right. Well, uh, before next week, watch Green Lantern. And please come back to, to our us. Please, please, please come back to our show. Uh, we would really, really appreciate you. Now, that'll be an interesting one to talk about. I want to, I'm want. i actually curious if, in retrospect, if it's, if it's actually as bad as I remember. Well, I did yeah. like Ryan. I do like Ryan, so it'll be fun. And that was actually the thing that sold yeah. it. I, I literally picked this for, for Ryan Reynolds. So, yeah. Cue the Jason.